Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching, tapping into our best life. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Cassida for Talk and Pray, and it took me a while to settle into myself. Do you know the feeling? Capable, ambitious, but wanting more, more impact, more success, more satisfaction? Me too. I've been a mompreneur and now maturepreneur. How do you like that term? (laughs) And I have a lifetime of experience, work, family, love, and loss that combined with the truth of scripture have taught me valuable lessons. I have a passion to share that wisdom with women of faith who want more. Welcome to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. Through the waters. I've got a little secret that might be, well, a big secret. I've been waiting for nearly 37 years for the authorities to do something about it. So far, I've been very, very lucky. (laughs) No, I'm not talking about the time I stole a personal pan pizza pan on a dare. Lord, forgive me. I confess that youthful indiscretion, translation sin, to my daughter recently, and she was aghast, as am I now telling it to you. What on earth was I thinking? Truly, I wasn't. It was back in the early 80s, and my friends and I were eating lunch at a local establishment. Even the building is gone now, and I was carrying a big purse. I love these little pans, I said. And we were off to the races. The gals with me were like, you know, you're carrying a really big purse. And with a spreading of their hands, as if to say, it's yours for the taking. In it went, faster than you can say, personal pan pizza pan. (sighs) That's what peer pressure will lead to, y'all. Not cool. Just mm, not cool. Since it was over 45 years ago, I'm assuming the statute of limitations is run out. I promise I never did anything like that again. Unless you count the fact that I cannot swim. The college I graduated from required everyone to be able to swim. They considered it a necessary skill, and everyone was required to take a swim test when they enrolled. If you didn't pass the test, you had to have completed the training by the time you graduated. It was a required physical education credit. Because I transferred into the college with PE credits already, according to my transcript, I had the necessary credits to graduate, but one of them was not swimming. As I walked across the stage to receive my diploma, I had this paralyzing fear that they would say, nope, no bachelor's degree for you, little missy. Not only are you a thief, but you also do not know how to swim. So... I have a degree, maybe, if it's valid. (laughs) That's my secret. I might not be a college graduate, after all. (laughs) We just weren't around water much as children. My mom had a deathly fear of the water, mostly because in her youth, the prescribed training for the local swimming hole was to throw someone in, yell, sink or swim! And when it was her turn, my mommy nearly drowned. Daddy was able to swim very well. He'd learned on the river in his youth in Tennessee. On the rare occasions he'd take us to the local river, he'd have my sister and me hang on his shoulders while he backstroked across the divide. He worked two jobs, though, so outings at the riverbank were exceedingly rare. And Mom would go white with worry every time he took us out. So, no swimming lessons there. 
Later, I dated a fella who liked to go to the local pool in the summer. Pools in the backyard were much rarer then. We went together, and after his laughing fit over my inability to navigate the water, he tried to teach me. Embarrassed, I begged him to leave me alone and practiced enough on my own to float, not panic, and possibly save myself in the event I fell off the Titanic. It ain't pretty, but in a pinch, I might be able to last till help arrives or till Jack swims up and tells me he's going to write a strongly worded letter to the shipping line. We all know there was room on that piece of wood that Rose was on, but then we wouldn't have the necklace with the massive diamond to throw away at the end of the movie. I'll never forget taking my children to a pool party with the church group. The mamas, all exceptional swimmers, no doubt, were congregated poolside talking with each other, and I, having inherited my mother's fear, kept my eagle eye on my son Sam. He went down the slide, landed in the water hard, resurfaced, and I caught a look in his eye that put me on high alert. He went under again, and he came up sputtering and panicked. I eased out of my chair, walked around the length of the pool to the side where he was fighting the water, and when he came up the third time, I reached down, grabbed his arms, and pulled him out of the water, sure that if he went under again, he'd stay down. I can't believe how calm I was. He recovered quickly and went right back in the water. All three of my kids are pretty good swimmers, even the least one who received his swimming badge in Boy Scouts. If it had been up to Jeff for me to teach him, he'd have been out of luck. You don't have to be a seafaring person to know or dread rough waters. Can I give you a different perspective? I was on a mission trip a few years ago in Boston, and one of our excursions while there was to go whale watching. The waters were a little rough, and the little boat was open and felt quite insecure, but I braved it with the hope of seeing one of the majestic beauties. It was amazing. I got to see a couple of the great wonders. The whale surfaced and blew, and it was like seeing the hand of God. Incredible. And those were just your everyday common whales. Can you imagine seeing a great blue whale? It's no wonder then that for me, rough waters signal something great is on the way. I love how scripture uses water in this way in the stories of the Exodus, of Jonah, and of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. What are some rough waters you are facing in your life or business? Are you looking for the evidence that God is at work? Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 tells of the disciples' encounter with Jesus through rough waters. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep, with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die?' And he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "'Hush, be still, muzzled!' And the wind died down as if it had grown weary." And there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? 
They were filled with great fear. They said to each other, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I identify with the disciples and their fear. When chaos is breaking out around me, I have to wonder, who is in control? What can I do? Sometimes it's when I follow Jesus. It was his idea to take me to this point. Let's go over to the other side, he said, and I followed. Then the storm comes up, and I'm fully aware of my inability to swim. And like the disciples, I'm asking, don't you care if I go down with this ship? Is this why you led me here? I'm not just flailing, I'm failing. Do you want to see me fail? Have you noticed that when you get honest with God, then he starts to speak into your situation? The boat is about to roll, and the disciples are not putting on the fake religion thing. They're not sweetness and light, interested in theology speak, or proper prayerful diction. Don't you care, Lord? In Matthew's and Luke's accounts of the event, they're even more direct. Lord, save us! We're going to drown! And look at the revelation that follows the storm. Who is this that the wind and waves obey him? We see this pattern throughout Scripture. Drama, trauma, difficulties, storms of life erupt, and Jesus reveals something more about himself that draws us closer to him and helps us know him better. We know him experientially in these moments, not theory or theology or or opinion, but knowledge by revelation. It's an amazing experience, like seeing a whale out on the ocean when the waters are rough and you're not sure the ship will hold up. A few years ago, after some bad financial decisions that I had made, I asked God to help me with my finances. Jeff had been deployed, and when he got home from overseas, he learned of my foolishness and, as you might imagine, was very upset. I asked for his forgiveness, and together we implemented a financial plan following Dave Ramsey. We'd only just gotten started when we got an unexpected bill in the mail, one that wasn't part of the budget, one that wasn't a result of my poor decisions, but it had to be paid, and Jeff was angry, rightly so. It was another blow, even though the bill was not one that I had incurred. I remember in this second financial storm, after the big one confessing to him my credit card debt, I said, Jeff, I asked the Lord to help me, and I believe he is big enough to take care of this bill. Let's give it a day or two and see what he will do. Jeff, reluctant and angry, agreed. And the next day, a dividend check arrived in the mail from our local energy cooperative, and it was to the penny the exact amount we needed to cover the bill. We learned in the storm that God honors our repentance and our obedience. I asked for help and did what he told me to do, and he revealed himself as our perfect provider. That year, we paid off thousands of dollars in debt, far more than our income would suggest we could. Providence moved on our behalf. Now, two decades later, God continues to reveal himself as my source, the source of income, of clients and customers, of success. As I go through squalls, thunderstorms, or even hurricanes, I hear him ask, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I recall that he's never forsaken me. The psalmist described the rough waters like this in Psalm chapter 77, verses 16 through 20. The waters saw you, God. 
The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Are you navigating rough waters? Your path may lead through the sea, through the mighty waters. It doesn't matter if you can swim. What matters is that you know the one who controls the winds and the waves. You can trust him to be your source, to see you floundering in the water and walk over to you to pull you up and out. He will reveal himself to be all you need. Father, thank you for forgiveness for every dumb thing I ever did, for every time you've had to pull me up and out. Lord, I thank you. And even though it seems counterintuitive, Lord, I thank you for the storms in each one, those of my own making or those that seem to be an inevitable part of life, like death and disappointment and heartbreak. You are there showing me new ways to know you and to know how you work, bringing your kingdom to its promised fullness. Father, the psalmist wrote that you gather the water of the sea into jars and the deep into storehouses. You are the master of the sea. Help me trust you more, know you more, and follow you into the mighty waters, knowing peace is coming at your command. In Jesus' name, amen. One more psalm. Listen to this beautiful poem. This is the first nine verses of Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. Verse 24, how many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. And then the end of Psalm, praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. To learn more about the podcast and to get today's transcript, notes, and other content, go to talkandpray.us slash podcast. Join me every Tuesday for more Talk and Pray. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave a positive review if you'd like to hear more content like this. 
This Talk and Pray podcast is sponsored by Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching. Music is In the Field by Audionautics.com. Look for Talk and Pray on Facebook and Instagram.